Welcome to Event Experience by Bizabo, the podcast where we bring the best and brightest event experience leaders together to share stories, tips, and lessons learned from creating some of the world's biggest events. I'm Rachel Moore, your podcast host. This week, we walk into the world of community, one specific community, in fact, and how events foster growth and connection for its members. The Women in Product community provides a space for women to gain equal access and representation in product management roles, and their events are driven by today's guest, Director of Events and Digital Experiences, Ariana Black. Join us as she guides us through her world of merging physical and virtual spaces, working with sponsors, and how her efforts at event experience keep their community thriving. Our guest has come up through events production, content marketing, I believe weddings and, and experiential events there. I did see this one, an Asana magician. 10 out of 10 points for knowing how to title yourself in all the interesting ways. But the crux of the matter is we're speaking with yet another very experienced event designer and producer, and she is currently the director of events and digital experiences for women in product. Our guest is none other than Ariana Black. Ariana, thank you for joining us here on Event Experience. Thank you for having me. I love talking about events. I, I love talking to people who love talking about events and our audience are people who like listening about events and then talking more about it. Let's get into a few questions that let our audience get to know you a bit better. Can you name an item that you forgot for a work event that caused you some panic? So while I can't take credit for personally forgetting this item, I can tell you that the single most traumatic Work panic was caused by a chef forgetting several coolers full of crab for a crab feed. Oh, no. Oh. Wound up driving around and buying at retail price crab for a crab feed from places like Whole Foods mm. at retail. And eventually the crab in question was found under a table covered by drape. We sold crab cakes all season long. <laughs> It's always a reminder for me to not take things at face value. We're not necessarily out, double and triple check. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the reasons that I think caterers are forever heroes, <laughs> forever heroes. And for all of the event profs that started out in food, look at how far you've come. That's right. Oh, I, I, I'm just panicking. I mean, some people love Whole Foods and whatever, but I did try just doing all of our grocery shopping there once and gave up that ghost within about two weeks. That was like, that's a lot. And also, thank you for an original answer. I, I always love it when I get something that's a little different than, oh, I forgot my phone or, you know, or my, my best pair of event shoes or something like that. What are you listening to, watching, or reading these days that you cannot put down? And it doesn't have to be events related. I'm obsessed with all things Gen AI right now. Mm. I am someone who works in a very tech adjacent space. I think we all have had to become technologists in the last few years. I'm super interested in what Gen AI will be able to do for the digital event space, mm -hmm. um, how personalization and recommendation can ultimately make for better event experience. I'm looking forward to the day when I can offer personalized recommendations to attendees so I no longer hear FOMO around having too much good stuff on the agenda. That would be amazing. <laughs> and I'm also looking forward to 
better quality networking suggestions for events at scale. Our event brings in two to 3,000 attendees mm. and being able to match in a more nuanced way than I currently can on any platform is really important to me because we know that the product experience varies based on company size, based on team size, size of gathering. So being able to match folks with others that can most help them is really interesting to me. I really believe that we don't do life alone and women are product and being so community driven here has really inspired me to build my own community. Yeah. As a part of my pandemic story, I moved to an island in the middle of the ocean. So being probably the only woman in tech on this entire island has been helpful in that it forces me to be my own best attendee. Yeah. If I ever want to meet other women who are doing this thing that we do, I have to say yes. I accept the invite. I click on the Calendly link. I am forced now to be the person that shows up with the most enthusiasm yeah. and makes time for myself. And then I get to analyze my own behavior and figure out how do I help my attendees see the value in this and help them. It's scary to click on a link. Mm -hmm. And what if I'm shoved up on camera? And, and what if I am? What if I am? Like, that will be okay. Yeah. If I have anything that I can teach that can help other people, like events are so hard. Yeah. You're dealing with humans. It doesn't matter if this is a legacy event. It doesn't matter if this is a legacy sponsor. This might be the first time this contact from this company. Um, they may have totally reoriented and need different things. Your attendees, I mean, people are people. Yeah. So nobody is showing up in exactly the same way. So I think teasing out the through line and that single most important why and building for that and helping people recenter on that and knowing that we don't have to do it perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Wow. It is scary. And, you know, coming back out of that and even coming out of the pandemic, the, the clicking on links has been a bit scarier than maybe it had, had been in the past or going out and I always call it repeopling. Really love that you share that too, because there it does feel like there's a risk there. But you know, guiding people, saying here's here's what I experienced. You can do this too. Is there a particular social post, a piece of media, or a hot take about events that you found interesting lately? I gotta say that Julius is always bringing it. Um, appreciate the fearlessness and the willingness to take a stance. Yeah. Even though I don't always agree with them, I appreciate having an opinion yeah. and I appreciate that community that's built around it. I think that there's some really interesting knowledge sharers out there. Yeah. And while it's not one size fits all and it doesn't always apply, I think there's always something to be learned. Even sometimes though, sometimes it's, well, that's interesting, but doesn't work in my case. Mm -hmm. It's still good information. I got to give you, can I give you one more? Yes, please. Something a little bit more independent, grassroots flavored would be the Better Events Pod, which is run by two independent planners who are really about helping events pros feel less alone in this whole space. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a great resource for folks who might not have big budgets, big teams, um, might be one person shops, and they have a ton of really actionable stuff, including like how to prevent scope creep, which mm -hmm. we know that's very important. Yeah. And just really great humans. So shout out Better Events Pod. Nice. Well, we love great humans who put on great podcasts. I barely skated through your LinkedIn profile as far as your experience. You know, obviously 10 years, there aren't enough words. Can you tell us a little bit more about women in product and your role there and kind of what, what your day-to-day -day is there? What all are you accomplishing there in your role at Women in Product? Women in product is, this is the role that makes the rest of my career make sense. Mm. You pick up skills along the way where you're like, 
you know what size of linen to cover an eight foot banquet table and you know how your t-shirt size spread differential varies between Detroit and New York. Mm -hmm. And sometimes uh, you know that attendees need 2.5 appetizers per person if it's a 45 minute cocktail hour with an open bar. And this is the role that has brought it all together in a way that has transcended logistics ultimately Mm -hmm. to be really driven by our community. I say that my job here is to build containers for the community to do what they do. They've been doing it before us. They'll do it after us. And it's very special Mm -hmm. to get to have a set of puzzles that are so different than the things that most event planners deal with. Yeah. I I don't ever feel like I'm having sales conversations. Our sponsors ultimately come to us. They're like, we want, we want to recruit more diverse women for our product departments. And I have women looking for jobs. We started from women having dinner. Mm -hmm. They all worked together at Facebook. They were all in product and they felt really alone. And product management is, event planners will relate to this, but it's sort of the wild, wild west still in that product looks different at every company. Who it reports to, what it's responsible for, what it looks like day to day is so different. And we know that in events. My early career in events, I started out doing like promo events for a gym back in the day and did some really terrible like zombie themed (laughs) disco party, new membership drives. And I I say that I got married 600 times in a handful of years and did galas, moved into trade shows, uh, then kind of moved into the maker to market segment and was part of Maker Fair, Mm -hmm. which at its peak was 100,000 people. And I ran the Maker Shed, which is 14,000 square feet, 360-something SKUs, sponsored stages. We had a soldering. You could learn to solder in there. Um, I had 40 seats in the soldering station. and Oh, and I think we also did an author stage and then had three satellite merch stands and had to set the whole thing up in a week. So building and then traveling on to the next one and the highs and the lows of Maker Fair, that plus the highs and lows of weddings Mm -hmm. um, and the emotions that happen there, I'm like, I can handle conferences. (laughs) Bring it, bring it. Whatever happens now, like the likeliness of somebody's sister having a meltdown and crying on me is very low. (laughs) So I feel pretty confident that I can get through the day. And I think having done as many different roles in the event industry as I have makes me feel confident that I know how to hire for all of them. Mm-hmm. I know what to look for. And I, I also know to build my zombie team. Honestly, when you're trying to do events and you don't even you don't even have reliable GPS on your phone, like back in the day when I'm driving to a gig with MapQuest printed out instructions. You didn't have Google to tell you there was a shorter way and you should go this other way and you're going to be seven minutes late. Mm -hmm. And I'm driving a catering box truck. I'm driving a 16-foot box truck with broken off side mirrors because one of our chefs took them off in the Trader Joe's parking lot. It's my responsibility to get there and make this gathering happen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. First of all, thank you for mentioning things like MapQuest. I, I too, remember the days when there was no device that you had in your hand or could plug up on your dashboard or even a screen in your dashboard that's going to navigate you vocally and visually to somewhere. You were just printing out and then we're going to talk, you know, phone books and things like that. But you've come through all that, all those different phases and eras of, of event management and into today. I know working in women in product, that feels like a very noble endeavor and it's something badly needed right now. So has that been pretty rewarding for you? Rewarding doesn't even start to encapsulate. I remember having to Google like my early trade show days 
Googling terminology mm-hmm. around what, like, what is triage and what are these, these things. And then knowing that product managers have a community where they can turn to other people and get support around this. And that I get to be a part of elevating a diverse set of stories out of these rooms. Mm. For me, that's really special. I didn't even know what product was when I found women in product. I knew that I wanted to serve with and for women and learning now that digital product shapes everything that we experience of the world mm-hmm. and that like these tiny computers in our hands shape our experience. If there is not a diverse group of people building product, we are not building a diverse future. Mm-hmm. And so the importance of being able to do the work that we do, it doesn't miss me. Sometimes it's challenging to balance self-care with this really large mission, but the community has also taught me about that. Uh, Yeah, it goes to show that you're thinking of the things that other people are thinking of and talking about too, about that is the challenge of community where maybe let the community drive instead of you, you're really just creating the spaces there. And it seems, and so we are, we're hearing more and more that that's something attendees want. They're asking for, from the events they attend, um, those opportunities to gather. What do you see as challenges as well as successes when you do build those containers and answer those requests for attendees? Like, where does it work and where is it like, oh God, we're still struggling with this a bit? Quoting Priya Parker, but the container is defined by who is in it is defined by who it isn't for. Mm-hmm. And so for us, that's been one of the most challenging pieces is understanding how to, in digital space especially, how to create spaces for meaningful interaction, peer groups and near peer groups. And, you know, we're a community that thrives on inclusivity, but there are some conversations that need to happen executive to executive. Mm-hmm. So creating segmented spaces within the larger container and yet still maintaining overall inclusivity has been a puzzle that is fun to get to put together. You know, early days pandemic, I remember I'm sitting in my garage and I'm on my Peloton. No, but sorry, I'm on the Peloton app on my million year old spin bike, (laughs) correction. And, And I was loving what Peloton was doing and how they were building this sense of community when we so badly needed it and how interactive it felt. Yeah. And I click into this virtual event that's like two in the morning because nobody's sleeping. It's pandemic. We're all stressed out. I'm trying to figure out what events even mean in this new landscape. And I'd never even hosted a webinar and I wanted to make them not suck. Like for most of what I had experienced in like events online were like TV shows, like chat feed. Yeah. And that wasn't meaningful. And yet in this two in the morning event that I click into, I ask a question in chat. It was a thoughtful question about the representation of women. Uh, I was asking it to like VP of NASCAR or something. And I remember the moderator reading my question out and I got to be part of the conversation and I got to influence the experience Mm -hmm. of other people showing up in synchronous time. And Synchronous time is the one resource that we can't make more of. Yeah. And so I think it's really important to make it matter for your attendees that they've showed up and they've given you their time. There's a lot of things we can consume offline. If I'm going to get the recording, if me showing up is not going to make a measurable difference in what happens, why am I going to show up? I will consume this on my own time while I weed my garden in my ears. But if I have a chance at sharing my experience, directly getting my questions answered, participating in some meaningful way, then I'm going to show up. 
And so I try to build for that. I try to build spaces that are not, I think everybody's done being presented to. <laughs> yeah. Like we're just done. Yeah. We're done. We're only a click away from contributing. We got used to that in virtual space. Yeah. Like everybody gets a VIP ticket. Everybody gets to ask their question. And so I think now as an industry, we need to think about how we build that into what happens on site because the sage on the stage, those days are done. We're hearing that a lot too, that we're done with the fire hose of information. And now the challenges for all these event planners out there, okay, well, how do we craft those, those spaces, right? Which you'd think with all this technology would be easy, but it's probably not, right? Yes and no. One of the things that I look for in either a physical space or a platform is multiple modes mm -hmm. of engagement mm -hmm. because I think of my attendee personas and I think about who's traveling through this space or this experience. And I want to create ability for folks like me who will show up and go camera on and want to be actively a part of the discussion. And then I always picture I've got my new moms who want to stay relevant in their industry. They want to continue to be on the top of their game, but they're not in a place right now where they can be turning their camera on. Yeah. So I want to respect that and I want to create other ways for them to continually engage. And, and, and for my speakers as well, one of the most beautiful things over the last few years has been I've had speakers who were only able to speak because we've maintained a strong digital presence and they couldn't necessarily travel. We've been able to increase diversity across all measures, attendees and speakers because of the accessibility of the online space. And so it's really important to me to maintain that even as we start to go back to on-site activation. And, and how do we build that space in? My argument before was like, I'm not going back on-site until you can give me 500 scholar tickets because that's what I can do in digital space. Yeah. And so looking at how do we create lowered barriers to entry to on-site events? Because I'm in the space of professional conferences. And quite frankly, those are elite as hell. Yep. I came up in events from a tiny catering company where it was a huge deal for us to go to Las Vegas yeah. for the big show. It was a huge deal. And we were only able to do it my last year with the company. And should people from small companies have less opportunity to upscale and meet other people in high quality held spaces? Because mm -hmm. that's the other thing is like an empty Zoom room is not anybody's friend. Right. A chat feed, and that's the thing about technology. A chat feed is great, but if you don't have humans in that chat feed, holding that space, that's like empty hallways at the Hilton. You would never do that at the Hilton. Yeah. So don't understaff your online events either. We'll be right back with more event experience after the break. Hey, event professionals. Let's face it, venting won't fix outdated, overpriced event management software that lacks the support and features you need but Bizabo's event experience operating system will. Say goodbye to your frustrating legacy event software and hello to building more events that matter. Visit bizabo.com, that's B-I-Z-Z-A-B-O.com to learn more about the event experience OS, interactive click smart badge, and more. Attendees aren't the only audience we're playing to in the events we design. Let's rejoin Ariana as we ask her how her sponsors get the best event experience possible. We just talked about 
a lot about trying to provide value for the attendee, you know, community, gathering, inclusion, making you feel like you're not walking down that empty hallway at the Hilton. You're actually feeling like there's a great experience there. However, you also have to balance that with your sponsors because they're a big reason why, you know, you're able to fund and do the things you can do in your event. They also need to have a great experience too which a lot of times involves selling, you know, and then trying to like, you know, pitch things to the very attendees we were just talking about. I'd love to hear how you balance and navigate that. And of course, any examples you can share of ways you have successfully done that. One of the things that we have learned is that I hate the word hybrid, but I'm going to use it because I don't have a better one right now. But in this sort of hybrid landscape, some of the challenges and constraints that we used to have don't apply anymore. So, for example, like back in the day, sponsors always wanted stage time. And now being able to help a sponsor use their booth in a meaningful way Mm -hmm. and help guide their content in there so that it is so valid and so relevant that attendees are rushing the booths to hear from people has been, that's been one of our big wins is that in the beginning, nobody knew what to do with a virtual booth. And they were like, well, we just show up. Do we answer any, how many people can we have in there? And so helping people understand that this is your mini stage mm-hmm. and like, you'll get as many folks in there as you produce quality yeah. programming. And so one year we had, we were blown away. I actually, I love it when they do this, but one of our sponsors, Airbnb was actually stealing people off of my main stage because their booth was so popping. I'm like, and I'm on the back end. I'm like, why are there 500 people in the Airbnb booth? And I, I look through and they're doing a really actionable, practical key takeaways session hmm. from product managers. And so one of the things that we really lean into is we support our sponsors in much the way that we support our speakers, which is that we give them data on here's what our attendees have asked to hear about this year. Specifically, we really uh, push them to lean in, like have whenever possible, do a case study, Mm -hmm. bring a client up to speak on your behalf. How can you talk to us about how product happens at your organization rather than nobody wants to sit through another demo. Nobody wants to sit through another demo. (laughs) So we always encourage them to like basically create an internal version of the content that our speakers are speaking to, because that's what we know resonates with the attendees. And it's just been really about support. It's been so much about support, about making sure that we have content experts from our sponsor companies that we directly work with, because the folks that are signing on the dotted line and whose budgets it may come out of may not be the best ones to actually develop programming. Yeah. So we, for us, because we are women in product, we try to make sure that we're not just working with a recruiting lead or a biz dev lead, but that we also are working with a product lead so that we can help them think about who they might recruit from their company, how they might build content, how they might talk about it in their agenda descriptions because the agenda drives the bus. So also making sure it's not just hear from four women leaders at company X, not exciting. (laughs) What have they built? What did they come up against? What was the challenge they faced? What was the problem they solved? Because the company just wants to talk about the company name. And so we often find that tell the stories about behind the people that are making this company name so great and just helping them to rethink what they've always done. Yeah. Yeah. And understand that this is the opportunity that you've always wanted. The other thing that, so, you know, some of our sponsors want thought leadership, which is when I really lean into content guidance. Some are recruiting. Mm -hmm. And 
I go back to 2019, 2019, you had to be a top level sponsor. You had to be a platinum sponsor in order to get a private interview room. And in digital space, any company yep. can get a private interview. You are one click away from a private interview room yeah. in digital space. Mm -hmm. So helping them understand like how many interview rooms can you have? How many staff people are you going to send to attend the event, man your chat and make themselves available to take one-on-one -on -one calls? Yeah. That's how many rooms you get. Like how hungry are you? And so being able to level the field without the constraints of physical space, like I personally never want to see a space allocation error ever again. I'm so grateful that is no longer part of the things that I have to manage. Yes. <laughs> but because it's building in digital space is really infinite. And so as I'm thinking about what this looks like and how this plays out as we go towards a more distributed strategy, I'm really thinking about how do I help how do I help sponsors in the on-site experience translate everything that we've learned here? Yeah. You know, please just don't bring back your squish balls as, as we go back on site. Like we've worked through together how to create meaningful engagement. Yeah. So helping them translate that from beyond the Zoom room back into the booth. And again, this is an opportunity for thought leadership. Yeah. I think we can all relate, right? You need to go to the virtual event and you, you do see virtual booths and many times you go in there, it's literally just one, maybe two people who's just sitting there and they're probably sales and they're just, and they're typing. Yep. Yes. They're typing. Yes, they are. They're doing their email. That's right. Please don't do your email. Oh my gosh. <laughs> don't get me started. If you are sitting there looking down at your laptop, you are not looking out and you're not approachable. Stop it. There's other things that we also do on a real tactical level to drive sponsor success. Um, when I was in back in my 3d printing trade show days, anybody that attends SolidWorks knows that as a vendor, you want to be next to the brownies. The SolidWorks brownies, and that's what they did back in the day. They fed you in the expo hall, yeah. put the snacks in the expo hall. But, but it's like, how do you, what is that popcorn? Like, how are you driving folks to go there and incentivizing? And so one of the things that we do is in our digital sponsor pavilion, we put our attendee resources at the bottom of the pavilion. So as I'm scrolling through, I can see how many folks are in various booths, what's happening, and I'm way more incentivized. So it's like co-locating other things mm. and not just putting the sponsors off in like scary sponsor land, <laughs> but like really integrating them into all of our programming. Yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. This kind of goes tangent to what we were just talking about. I mean, we've talked a lot about, you know, providing those containers for community online and on offline, talked about especially for virtual stuff. How do you provide that a balanced, balanced value experience for attendees and sponsors going back to attending experience once more with feeling, do you feel like virtual events, the arc that we're going through with virtual events, has it had a positive or negative impact or kind of a mixed bag on attendee experience? I am super obsessed with this topic. Things that I thought would be true when designing in 2020 are so different mm. than the actual things that I now know to be true. In 2020, I had this like this great plan that people were going to read my emails and really educate themselves on how to get the most out of a virtual event. I made explainer videos. I created pre-event networking opportunities. And I realized that through two painful years of denying evidence, I realized that in digital space, you don't have me until my calendar tells Slack that I have a meeting in 10 minutes. Mm. My attention span, you, you start to prime my experience 
10 minutes before. I'm going to read through the calendar invite. It better all be in the invite. Put all the information in the invite. Everything I might need to know in the invite because that is the only thing I will check. I will not go dig up through my email for my attendee best practices guide. Nobody will. And I had to learn from my own behavior. Like I had to learn that I'm not thinking about the event until the event's happening. Whereas in physical space, I know I need to get to the Hilton. I'm going to at least Google and see which BART station that is. Mm -hmm. I'm going to figure out what floor registration's on. So you've got the person thinking about you a little bit beforehand for a giant event, like your SEMAs of the world. Like you've got them for maybe a week beforehand. They're planning their agenda. Nobody does that in digital space. And I finally surrendered. <laughs> and I'm super lucky. We do have the most hyper-engaged community. I had 700 people on platform two days early last year wow. planning their agendas. And wow. like my problems are so different. One of the things I learned is that product managers take their trivia so seriously. Mm -hmm. And we were doing live trivia. And there is a, there's a latency delay that was caused because I was streaming into the platform. So there's and, and that three seconds in trivia is everything. <laughs> They were playing for vintage swag, which is just a sassy way to say old swag. <laughs> and still, the knives that came out in this chat oh, I feed, bet. I still get like absolute heart palpitation just thinking <laughs> about it. I'm like, please, I'm never doing trivia again. But I, the enthusiasm that this community shows up with is like bar none. And still, most of them will not be thinking about me until 10 minutes before. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I've really wow. built for reality rather than building for how I want reality to be. So I no longer play my explainer on, you know, beforehand. I build it as a part of my onstage programming. Yeah. I've done agenda workshops early in the day where as a group, here's us helping you carve the time out for yourself. Nice. I love to get this horrible feedback every year, but I love it. But I get all this FOMO of like, there's too much happening. And I make a lot of very strategic decisions about what I do not record because there's no stickiness if I record everything. Yeah. Yeah. Going to a conference, whether that's on-site or online, when you go to a conference, if it's a robust, large experience, you're making decisions about what to miss. So as planners, how can we help people? One of the things that, you know, my organization is working on doing is realizing that we create annual programming all year long. Yeah. So we really don't have to cram it all into the conference, as tempting as it is. It creates a feeling of overwhelm. So I'm really looking at how do I extend the tail end of the attendee experience arc? Because in digital space, in physical space, you're taking a picture, you know, on stage, you're trying to capture this slide. You're taking all these, you're on your phone half the time, even though you're sitting in a ballroom. Yeah. And here you are one link away from additional resources. So how do we lean into that? All right. This last question, easiest one of all, where can our listeners find and follow you online? Hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. How do we, where do we learn more about women in product in case for people who are interested in, in that? Skill Up segment, Ariana shares why we should each strive for our events to be more than brief experiences. Could they, in fact, be life-changing? Thanks again to Ariana Black for joining us on Event Experience, and thank you for listening. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love to hear it. Connect with us on social and subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you're listening. Also, don't forget to share the show with your colleagues and friends. You can find transcripts of each episode and key takeaways at bizabo.com forward slash podcast. On behalf of the team, thank you. We'll gather again soon for a new episode of Event Experience.